Welcome to Change the Narrative. I'm your host, J.D. Fuller. I'm Susie Younger. An African-American licensed psychotherapist. I'm also a licensed therapist. We talk about the isms. We talk about the phobias. Anything that marginalizes and oppresses. As a white woman, I ask the questions white people are too afraid to ask. Everything we are not and everything we are is because of fear. Through, Through a mental, mental health lens, Susie and I will have difficult conversations with celebrity guests, political activists, and everyone in between. Our mind will tell us whatever we want to believe, but the truth lives in the body, and that's where change occurs. Are you ready to change the narrative? Remember back in the day, the book fair? Well, our next two guests are changing the narrative when it comes to education for kids and adults and learning from the good old-fashioned book. Ashley Goliez, a.k.a. Diversify Our Parenting, is a mom, music teacher, Instagrammer, And Megan Reed, a.k.a. I Have a Book for That, is also an author, blogger, and a mommy. Megan and Ashley give new meaning to unlearning whitewashed history. They are both teachers, moms, readers, and living in accountability for diversifying our parenting and helping people find diverse books for all of life's moments, no matter how big, small, or silly. One lesson we all learned during the pandemic is that we don't need to be in the classroom to learn. Wherever you live, however old you are, or your kids, whatever your skin color, our next guest will teach us how to bring diverse learning into the classroom. Welcome, Ashley and Megan. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So happy to have you both here. What an intro. I feel so special. She's the intro queen. She's the intro queen. (laughs) What she does. So yeah, definitely welcome. Thanks for coming on and just being flex and helping us figure it out. I really appreciate that. So tell us where each of you is from. I'm from Connecticut, small town, somewhat rural Connecticut, very predominantly white, small town. And I left Connecticut for college and ended up back a little further from where I grew up, but I'm in Fairfield County, Connecticut now in a more, a larger city with a lot more diversity than the town I grew up in. I was born actually in California. A lot of people don't know this. Uh, I was born in California, but I moved to South Carolina when I was two. So I claim the South as home, Southern girl, Carolina girl. My dad would always argue and say, nope, you're from California, but I consider myself to be from South Carolina. (laughs) Claim it. Yes. How did you meet each other? Through Uh, Instagram. Okay. Who reached out first? I don't know. Did you slide into my DMs, Ashley, or did I slide into You've been doing the bookstagram thing longer than I have, so I definitely found you and probably slid into your DMs first. (laughs) So tell me what you appreciated about each other's platforms. Megan, you go first. I really like Ashley's handle, Diversify Our Parenting. It's catchy. It caught my attention. And I feel like, Ashley, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like I saw something you posted about unlearning or relearning or just learning, basically unlearning all the things we've learned in the past and like just doing better. Like when you know better, you do better kind of thing. Is that correct? Was that you? Yeah, that was really one of, one of my favorite. I like her handle caught my attention and I feel like she had a post about like, it's either in her bio or was a post about just relearning and reflecting on all the things that we learned as kids that we now know were whitewashed stories and not actually accurate. So I thought that was cool of her. So I wanted to know more. I like that. Go ahead, Ashley. I mean, Megan's handle is I have a book for that. And she has a book for everything. Um, (laughs) And it's really awesome. So I really have loved kind of learning how 
Bookstagram works by following and connecting with Megan and the way that she shares books and the books that she chooses and highlights both like the fun, silly days, like National Popcorn Day, and also the way that she goes so all out for Black History Month on Mm -hmm. her feed and the amount that I've learned and the book recommendations that I've gotten from her are just awesome. So to that end, how would you say your perspectives differ and how they're more similar than not? Ashley, you go first this time. I mean, I think my perspective, I grew up in this small, predominantly white town with the sort of liberal, well-meaning white parents. But in the 90s was sort of the we don't see color. Yeah. So I kind of hit my 30s and I'm ashamed that I didn't know what I now know. But as I've learned more. So I've come to this knowledge, obviously, much later in my life and this perspective of how important it is to be so intentional with the resources that I introduced to my son and to my students. So I think that I've come to this knowing much later. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. Well, Ashley says a little bit about her background, but I don't think her perspectives really differ as much as she might think. Like I grew up in a predominantly white town as well. Um, grew up around mostly white people. I didn't see myself in books growing up the way I see now. And I'm also doing a lot of unlearning and relearning and reflecting. I'm still learning today. I just learned something new a couple weeks ago that I've been unpacking and has really been getting to me. So I feel like we're very similar in having to like relearn all the things that we've been taught. I think that's really powerful. Look, in our lives, I like that you both are, are saying unlearning. I think that's so important. When you grow up in predominantly white environments, there's so much you're led to believe, you know, like it's fact. And so I love the idea that you both use unlearning because it is about unlearning and it's being open. Actually, I want to reframe the shame to maybe some guilt. I feel like that's less binding. Guilt never hurt anybody. We've all done something different because of guilt, but shame can really hold you hostage. So I like the idea that you're working with that. That's true. Yeah, I would say almost more like embarrassed. Mm. Like, not so much a shame. I'm embarrassed that I have had to relearn and unlearn as much as I have. You're not as embarrassed as uh, the ones who've been teaching it, though, for all these years. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) (laughs) Trying to make sure I'm not that teacher (laughs) on the other end of it. (laughs) Okay, so Megan, on IG, you say you are, and Susie said this in your intro, but I want to say it again. I want to have you talk about that a little bit. Intention versus impact. So you say, You are a reading teacher and you help people find diverse books for all life's moments, no matter how big, small, or silly. What's your intention versus the impact you hope to have? Or are they the same? I hope they're insane. In my mind, my intention and my impact are hopefully the same. Um, I feel like I'm impacting people the way I intend to because I get a lot of DMs. That answer your question. Yeah. And I'm wondering, like, what kind of responses do you get? I mean, just made me curious. A lot of people like will like reshare my post and say thank you, or they'll DM me and say thank you. Like I never knew that. Um, a lot of what Ashley said, like, oh, I was taught this way. I didn't realize that. I'm also, I often remind people. So example, like right now it's Asian Pacific Islander Heritage Month. So I'll share own voices account for that month. And I'll remind people like follow them, but go into their DMs, like treating them like Google or things like that. So people will thank me and say, oh, I never thought about that. Like, thank you for saying this. So yeah, my intention and my impact are the same. I like that. And I know what you're saying. Somebody will DM me and say, I really like what you said about that. Can you tell me more? No. Yes, that. Don't do that to people. No, I cannot. No, I cannot. Now it's on you. (laughs) And when I, I will flat out tell people in my comments as well, like Google it. And then they're like mad at me or offended. (laughs) Google is free. 
Okay, so Ashley, you write a white mom music teacher doing better now, now that I know better. So intention versus impact. I think that my intention is to amplify other voices. That's why I'm trying to be very transparent that I'm white, I'm straight, I'm here to amplify voices that maybe are not seen in children's literature. My intention is to encourage my fellow like white parents to think a little more about the books that they're presenting and to dig a little deeper because there's so much great literature. You just have to know where to look. And so I'm trying to amplify. So that is my intent. I hope that that's my impact and that's the way I come across. I've certainly, I really appreciate when I hear from someone that they enjoyed a book or learned from a book that I've shared. And so I think that I'm getting some new books and music out there to folks. And that's great. So give us a little peek in your DMs. Is anybody coming at you from the left? You know, why are you talking about this so much? So is anybody coming at you like that? I don't get too much. I have a much smaller following than Megan. I've had one or two comments on a post about a boy who kind of pushed back against gender norms in clothes. And I had a comment about like, oh, I wonder if he learns the truth or reality in the end. I deleted it. I was like, I'm not even going to give this time of day. <laughs> this person is not someone who wants to learn. Yeah. <laughs> so I have not gotten a lot of pushback, but I have a much smaller yeah. following. So Megan, what about you? Somebody slid um, in. I a few, but not too many. And I think I the Cardi B song. Am I allowed to say Cardi B on here? Yes. <laughs> that song, like, do anything for clout. Like, I don't even <laughs> screenshot and expose them. I just delete and block. Like, I don't have time for that. It's that part in the song where she says public opinions from private accounts. Like, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. The trolls, people are supportive. The trolls often don't have their bio. They don't have pictures yeah. up there. It, it kills me. So yeah, parents are different people and don't always want to know what they don't know because there's so much pressure on parenting. It's like, okay, now you're a parent. You got to know what you're doing. Your parents did it. You know it, do it. So I find it interesting that, you know, you're trying to say, hey, it's okay not to know. And here's what I'm providing you so you can know more, right? To do more. And so I think it's important. I think it's important that you're offering opportunities for people to receive without making them feel bad about what they don't know. Or actually, they make themselves feel bad about what they don't know. In any case, you do allow them not to feel bad. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I agree with what you said. And I try, I feel like I haven't done a good job of this lately. So thanks for the reminder. But I try to remind people that like, I'm not perfect. I'm still learning. I once made mistakes or believed incorrectly in the past. I feel like if I show that my vulnerable side, I guess, hopefully it helps people to not feel as bad. I think that's so important. I agree with you. Ashley, what's your thoughts on that? I agree with that. Like if I share a picture book biography and it's somebody who I only just learned about, I am the first in my caption to say, I'm so glad I found this because I didn't know much about this person and that's why I'm sharing it. So I agree. I certainly do not pretend <laughs> to know everything. I'm very open about, oh, I just learned about yeah. this author or this person in history. Yeah, I think it's important. So look, books are expensive, right? And yeah. ask my husband. <laughs> <laughs> and because they're expensive, how do you think we can provide equity so everyone can have access to all this goodness that you share and you talk about? What's your thought about that? 
I think that we need to encourage folks to remember that libraries are still here. I mean, I think a lot of folks forget that public libraries are amazing. I say that, I suppose I also say that living in a pretty liberal city in the mm. Northeast, my library in Norwalk has an incredible selection. And I shout them out on Instagram because they are the first to put you know, a picture book about a Black trans character on the front of their new arrivals. And that's incredible. So I mean, I'm really fortunate to have those resources in my public library. So I really, I, that would be the thing. The library doesn't cost anything. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Megan. Well, the library was my first thought as well. I'm a big supporter of the library. I have a lot of my own books, but I also love to go to the library. Um, in the summer, I go weekly. And I live in a more conservative area. And I am pleasantly surprised with my library. Same as Ashley said, they always have so many diverse books like out on display. And I'm like blown away every time. I love it. I want to like kiss the librarian. <laughs> the libraries are free. And then if kids are in school, they have access to their school library. Hopefully. I've heard some schools don't have libraries though. So Yeah, I don't know about that. that. I, don't, I don't understand. But they don't necessarily put a lot of money into them. I don't know if folks realize too, you know, if if you see a book on like one of our Instagrams and your library doesn't have it, you can request that your library get books. Doesn't mean that they'll fulfill the request, but they have forms usually that you can say, oh I, you know, I've heard of this book and I would really love to read it. And you can submit requests for libraries to get specific books. You know, two things. One, that's great. You know, they should do that and get all of their friends to do it. So there's an influx and then they feel the pressure to do it. And two, how sad is it that I didn't even think of the library? I love the library. Well, I just... A lot of libraries have like mobile programs where they go out into neighborhoods or camps. So if parents can't get them there, there's opportunities for the library to come to them. I'm just wondering about areas that are more most marginalized, and I'm wondering about whether that's true there. And if not, how do you think the community gets it to be true there? Is it by, you know, sort of coming together and getting the word out? What are your ideas around that? To create like a mobile library program? Yeah, mobile or get their libraries more. I mean, so let me add something to it. Libraries are often places where people without homes end up being. And it can be a very scary part of town or place when people don't have adequate housing and they have to use the library. And I don't know that kids will just go to the library. And so I do think there is an opportunity where this needs to be pushed a little bit harder. You know, obviously people need homes. That's the first issue. In addition to that, libraries need to be a little bit more of an opportunity for everyone. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> That's a huge problem. I think that can also get into the importance of local elections because the folks that you're electing to your local cities and towns are the ones who are deciding about things like library funding. I mean, I know that's like a jump, but I've heard and when when I was in LA, I heard, you know, library funding being cut and less librarians and along with school funding and supplies being cut. And it's so sad when you think about it, because it is a place where people are supposed to go who can't afford to do things otherwise. And so that is heartbreaking. So thanks for saying all that. I appreciate it. And I mean, to be fair, the library was kind of off my radar until I had a child. Oh. Like, I mean, I went to the, I grew up going to the library and then like in my early adulthood, it was not really on my radar. And then when I had my son, it was like, oh, this is a place we can go. <laughs> They have programs. It doesn't cost us anything. So it makes sense if it's not on everyone's radar. Yeah, no, I appreciate you saying that. 
So it's absolutely clear that children from different backgrounds need to see themselves mirrored in books. We know that for sure. Kids learn best when they see images of themselves. Now, we know it's happening across the country and it's happening more now. Well, not ever before, but there's this, you know, like a resurgence of book banning and so forth. Talk about that a little bit. I mean, that's got to be scary to what both of you want to do. Go ahead, Megan, you start. Yes, book banning. Oh my gosh. I actually got an email today. Well, I got it yesterday, but I read it today about a book and it was like the most banned book of 2022. It was a publisher asking me if I wanted it. And it was about trans teens, which trans kids exist. And then we could do a whole nother podcast on that. So I won't start rambling. I, it just blows my mind the way that we are banning books. And I don't know what they think the solution is when they ban books. Like, this kid is not going to exist. I mean, I read books about all kinds of things as a kid, and I didn't automatically want to do that. But I think it's important to have different perspectives. Banning books just, like, breaks my heart. I don't agree with banning books. I don't do it. My district, luckily, is very supportive, where when parents complain about books, they let us teach them, if, of course, it's appropriate. I don't feel like I don't deal with that too much, like personally, but I see it a lot on social media and in the news and it just breaks my heart. I don't know what the answer is, but. I agree. It's not something that's impacted me personally. Just it's not really happening here for the most part, at least that I'm aware of, but it's, yeah, I mean, it breaks my heart. I remember when it was really starting up a few months ago, I think it was somewhere in Pennsylvania. One of the books on their list to ban was, it's a book called All Are Welcome. And it's the most lovely and welcoming message. Like there's absolutely nothing divisive in this book. And I think that's it really with the book banning. It's like, ah, your racism and your homophobia are showing because the books you're choosing, there's nothing wrong with them except that they're featuring characters, black characters or queer characters. It's very telling of what people think, but I don't know what the solution is other than that we all have to keep pushing back and (laughs) buying those books and trying to get them into the hands of kids. (laughs) You know, there's a theme, right? So it's no surprise that the trans community of color, you know, the global majority trans community is highest risk. And so when it is a double message about marginalized populations and populations, the most marginalized, the most oppressed, seems to be when things really go into higher gear. Right. You ever notice that? Yes. So linked and so obvious. So when people want to argue about it, I'm just like, how do you argue when it's just so obvious other than denial? You don't know, right? I don't know. I'm very observant and I pay attention to people who are speaking out against certain books. I know who you really are. Like, I'm just, I'm just watching. Yeah. Yeah. You know, people who are conservative in that way are very loud. They're the loudest ones. And I wish the people who aren't conservative in that way and are more inviting would be just as loud, which is why I think it's important for you both to be on here and let people know where they can find you and what you're doing, because that's what spreads the goodness, you know, in terms of giving people an opportunity to see what's out there and what's happening. So what is most important are the lessons that you received as children and the messages you're giving to your children? What's the greatest message you think you impart to your kids? Well, I feel like the message I send to my son hopefully is as close to the same as I send to my students. I know they're not my own children, but most of my students are students of color. I teach students who are still growing as readers. And I feel like most kids who end up in that class 
our kids of color. So I first and foremost just try to teach them that they matter. Um, as soon as they come into my room, they see a sign that says all are welcome here and it has like the rainbow that shockingly I have not been asked to take down. I thought it was coming. I was ready to fight back. Um, so first and foremost, I want them to know that they matter. They're worthy. They are important. They're capable of doing great things. We do a lot of like growth mindset. So turning those can'ts into cans. And that's my, hopefully my big takeaway for my own child and my students. I do affirmations with my son. It gets hurt a little bit, especially he's in fifth grade. So some of the kids are a little mean. This one little girl calls him ugly all the time. So yeah, they have to do the affirmations. So I just want my students to know that they're special. They matter. They're important. I know that's true, but it's just unbelievable. That's painful. I'm so glad you do affirmations. So with my students, I actually am in a new position this year with younger children, but I was teaching through middle school. Mm -hmm. And in the last couple of years, I really pushed some of our conversations about uh, race and racism in music. I'm a music teacher. The Grammys last year, the children's music nominees all were white musicians. <gasps> I'm just kidding. I know. That was but, actually, you know, I mean, there were just incredible musicians of color who had put out albums. This was not this year, but the year before. Yes. We had a whole talk about it in my class. And actually three of the nominees withdrew from the Grammy. It was a really great news story. And I shared that with my students. And we had, you know, a few different conversations. And I had one student say, like, why is everything about race? But he kind of meant it, like, pushing back, like, why are we having these conversations? And I was like, because it is. <laughs> like, because this is reality. Most of my students are white. So really trying to push the conversation and just make these children who might be in a little bit of a, of a bubble of what they see aware of the reality of, of the world around them. And I think with my own child, he's only three. So as he gets older, it's going to be having really honest conversations about the fact that his friends who are black, their parents are having different conversations with them about safety and what it is like to grow up in our country. So it's going to be really just making sure he is aware of really the realities of our country. And so for now, it's being sure that he's reading books that have people who don't look like him and Right now, we're really, you know, we're reading a bunch of things about gender and being you and just making sure that he knows, understands that language as he gets older and figures out himself and meets others who are figuring out themselves. I hear so many teachers who are afraid and clinicians, too, who are afraid to bring race in. And so how do you know that's okay? And why aren't you afraid? I wasn't always positive that it was okay, And I often was sort of waiting for a slap on the wrist. (laughs) But I generally felt supported and I approached it carefully. You know, I wasn't trying to like make anyone feel guilt or shame, but just understanding. So I tried to present things just factually. And with we're reading an article about the Grammys, you know, it was not just like me throwing opinions at them. This is the article. This is what happened with the Grammys this year. And then sort of pushing it of like, okay, you know, why do you think this is? One of the things that's really cool about music is, I mean, the origin of music. So that's a way to really be able to integrate it well is if going back to come forward. But I don't think teachers think that way. I know they a lot do not. I'm not going to say everyone, but I know a lot do not. There's a lot of fear-based management of messages. And I think sometimes I get it. It's a system and the system punishes you. So I'm not trying to be naive about that. I get it. It's very real. I totally get it because there are a lot of places where you just, you know, you are going to lose your job or really put yourself in jeopardy to have those conversations. 
I felt like I was in a place where I could take a little bit of a risk, but also I, again, I tried to do it carefully. Yeah. I think it has to do with where you are in your life. Now I carry the badge that I've been fired for doing the right thing. But I think when you're younger, it's tricky. You know, you're starting out in your career. You're just trying to make sure you're doing things correctly. But I think around, I'm hoping around thirties, people are realizing if you can afford it, you have the most responsibility. You know what I mean? Like you have the most responsibility to take the greatest risk. It shouldn't be on people who are living check to check. So it's clear that both of you are changing the narrative. I'm not even going to say try. I'm going to say you're changing the narrative. You're doing your, yeah, I mean that. I mean, that's clearly, (laughs) it's very clear. You're doing your part. And I think it's important for kids. I know why, but I want in your own words for you to say why. I think it's important for people to hear it from you. Megan, you want to start? Why it's important to change the narrative? I think there is a real problem with racism and equality in, or I guess I should say inequality in our country and the states. And I think in order for students to grow up and be people who help change that, they have to first be able to identify the problem. So when people say, I don't see color, like, no, no, I want you to see me, see my color, see how my color impacts the way I'm treated. So you can stand up and speak up for me and help change the racism that that is real and exists. So basically, I want my students to be able to see the problem and my son see the problem so that they can help fix the problem. And for kids from the global majority, it's really important to have that validation. You're not imagining what's going on here. Man, I can't imagine what that would have done for me as a child. If one adult, you know, teacher had said, hey, you know, this thing, racism, white supremacy, it's real. You're not imagining this. Look at the small piece of history we're teaching you versus the entire true story of what happened. You know, we didn't come here as slaves. We were so much more and we were enslaved. That simple change of language is so important. It humanizes people. I can imagine what that would have done for me as a child. So I love that you're not afraid to put that out there. That's great. Yeah. I mean, I think this all started for me. It was feeling like if I want to change the narrative, my little corner of the world is kids. And I think that I want my son and my students and I want this younger generation to see now as kids, the reality. I want them to see others, you know, color and differences. And so that they can stand Mm -hmm. up and speak up and be the change because it's going to be the younger generation who have to know the truth. They have to know true history and they have to see the realities of racism in our country. If we're going to create any change, if we're going to change the narrative, we've got to start with the kids. Absolutely. Critical race theory. Don't be afraid of it. Learn about it. Ashley, you have a particular, I don't want to say barrier, but challenge because White people aren't going to just come up to Megan and say a lot of things, but white people will, especially parents of kids, say things to you, assuming, making an assumption that you feel the same way they do. Have you had that experience? And if so, how do you manage it? I haven't really. I feel like I'm in a little bit of a bubble of like-minded. I have moments of being ready for certain conversations. So I have definitely thought through like, okay, Like, you're going to say this, or if you hear this, be ready to say this. I've like kind of had conversations in my head that like, be ready, but it hasn't, I haven't really had to deal with it much yet. You know, I had a student say to me the other day, I teach graduate students and I had a student say to me the other day, ask me, the short version is, weren't you afraid when you stood up in that way? And I thought about it and I said, Hey, I'm not at that place in my life. I'm not going to live in fear in that way, in that particular way of standing up for what's right. But in addition to that, if more people in power spoke up, guess what I wouldn't have to do? (laughs) I wouldn't constantly have to put myself in a position of high risk. So I love that you're being thoughtful. 
and you are being intentional in that way about how to respond so that you are ready because it's going to happen. It's inevitable, I think. As yeah. your child grows and gets their circle gets bigger, it's inevitable. And somebody's just going to say something because I'm amazed at what people say in front of black people. I'm amazed. Yes. <laughs> Hi, Megan. Your head's about to nod off. <laughs> I'm like, preach. <laughs> I am shocked. I'm like, wait, you do know. <laughs> you right. just said that in front of me. So the cluelessness, I want to say the chosen cluelessness is such that things just come out. So I love that you're preparing. Please tell us where everybody can find you. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at I have a book for that with the number four. Great. Well, you also have a link tree. Yes, I have a link tree, but it goes to like a lot of my book lists that I create. So if you go to Instagram account and then go to my link tree, you can find lots of lists of books. Excellent. Ashley, where can they find you? I am on Instagram as at diversify.our.parenting. Great. Do you have Twitter or link tree? Nope. Let's go. You don't have Instagram. Oh, man. I don't. I know I need to make a link tree. Right now, the link in my Instagram bio is to my bookshop which is book lists and, and recommendations. That's so. great. That's a whole other show. Thank you so much for coming on and chatting with us. I think this was so important. I love that you both are doing this. I appreciate what you're doing. People follow them. It's really important. You'll get some great information and important information for you and your children. Thank you thank so much. You. Thanks for having me. I think you're so cool. Hey, thank you. This was awesome. Appreciate Excellent. it. Excellent. Katie and I want to thank our fabulous producers at IM Music Group. And for all of you out there who want to do your own podcast, go to immusicgroup.com and the team will hit you back. Please be sure to like, subscribe, and follow wherever you get your podcasts. And also, leave us a review. Let us know what you think. Thank you for listening to Change the Narrative with J.D. Fuller.